we begin, I'd like you to turn your Bibles this morning to the book of Hosea. And Hosea starts off in a very uh, historical and factual manner. Gives a couple of details, the kind of things that uh, can easily just, you know, we can simply read over it and say, yeah, that was, that's an interesting story, that was an interesting occurrence that took place. And yet when we dig a little bit deeper, and that's what we want to try and do this morning, is to dig a little deeper into this story and to find the message that God has for us. In verse 2, the Bible says, The beginning of the word of the Lord by Hosea. The Lord said to Hosea, Go and take unto you a wife of whoredoms, the children of whoredoms, for the land has committed great whoredom departing from the Lord. So he went and took Goma, the daughter of Diblaim, which conceived and bore him a son. And so you read that through and it's just, you know, it's a, it's a simple story. Um, Hosea was there. He was the prophet. God said, go and marry a prostitute, the daughter of a prostitute. He goes and marries this girl. They have a son. However, what we want to do this morning to really understand for a moment what it is that God is trying to accomplish here, we're going to, 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 to dig into this story and try and find out what actually is going on. And so we begin with Hosea. Hosea is the prophet. He is a prophet to the northern kingdom of Israel. The northern kingdom of Israel at this time was divided from the southern kingdom of Judah. So you had Judah in the south, you had Israel in the north. Judah in the south, sometimes they would worship God and sometimes they would worship idols. Israel in the north, they only ever worshipped idols. They had gone into apostasy at their beginning. They had never come out of apostasy. They had always been worshippers of idols. And so you've got this situation where up there in the north where the truth of God is a very rare commodity, you have this shining beacon of light. And his name is Hosea. He is the prophet appointed by God to be the messenger to God's people in this part of the world. He is the one to set the example, to direct God's people how to live a righteous life. And God comes to Hosea, the prophet, and he says to Hosea, the prophet, okay, here's what I want you to do. I want you to go and marry this lady over here who is a prostitute, who is the daughter of a prostitute. In other words, this is a, a generational thing in this particular family. Now, even in today's society, if the pastor was to go and marry a prostitute, you know, we're much more open-minded, I think, than what they were back then, and particularly in that culture. We're going to talk about that in a moment. But if the pastor, if Lloyd or I had gone and found a, a prostitute or an ex-prostitute to marry, I think there would still be one or two people around who would have a few things to say. You know, a little bit of gossip would, would spread around the place. Isn't that so? Isn't that how it would work? Yeah? And, and, and if the pastor was to go and marry a prostitute, in many people's minds, they would question for a moment, you know, is this guy for real? You know, wh where is he coming from? And it would lower his credibility somewhat. However, think about this in the culture of the day. A culture wherein the punishment for the punishment for the penalty for uh, adultery was not just prostitution but just adultery was death by stoning. A culture in which 
this was a this was something that was looked down upon. Now, this was the northern nation of Israel. They were an apostasy, and it was a different kettle of fish. But we need to understand, even even through until this day, in many of these Middle Eastern uh, countries, if a girl is merely raped unfairly and unjustly, she is the one who is accused, she is the one who is punished, and she is the one who can never marry again because she is considered to be eternally impure. Something that you just, you just, that, that's, that's something you just can never touch, regardless of how unjust it might be. That's the culture that exists there today. It's not that different from uh, many of the uh, um, aspects of the culture that, that existed back in those days. It's a terrible, terrible thing. And so you've got um, Goma, and she is a prostitute, and everybody knows who she is and what she does, where she fits in in society. Everybody looks down on her as the as the as the the young girl that has been used and abused, and they can use and abuse to their heart's content. Uh, whenever they want to fork out the money for it. And so it's a, it's a really terrible thing. And when you think a little bit further about where Gomer is coming from, she's not just a prostitute. It's not somebody who's fallen on hard times and ended up you know, going into this particular profession by falling on hard times. She is somebody who has grown up in this lifestyle. And so as a young girl growing up, and once again, we consider the culture of those times, you know, the nations surrounding Israel, the nations that were into idolatry, often pedophilia was not something that was looked down upon. It was, it was a religious requirement in some of those cultures. That's how horrific things were. And so you can imagine this young girl, she's growing up most likely in the brothel. There's only one lifestyle she ever knows. She's shunned by, by the, the general community around her. The only, uh, the only aspect of, of friendship she would probably have had from her peers would have been the other children who were growing up in a, in a similar kind of situation. Probably has no idea who her, who her father is, you know, single parent. Um, and you can imagine just how deeply damaged Goma would have been. Somebody who was probably being abused and her body was probably being sold from a very, very young age. And so somebody who year after year had mastered the art of being able to shut herself off emotionally so that she could do those things that she needed to do to be able to stay alive. And yet I do believe that in the back of every little girl's mind, in the back of their heart somewhere, they have this desire to have and to experience true love, true security, to have a marriage, to have a family, to have a husband, somebody who loves them deeply. And yet for Goma, this was something that she knew she could never have. And so whenever that thought started to creep into her mind, it would probably be something that she would have to cut herself off from so that she could survive emotionally and it wouldn't destroy her. And then suddenly, she gets the opportunity to break free. And this is no ordinary opportunity. She's not just breaking free from her 
life of degradation and prostitution, but she is breaking free. Her status is going up because now she has the opportunity to marry not just you know an average guy in society, but the prophet. You know, she's just had the greatest break that you can imagine. We have this, this verse here. It's a beautiful little verse. It gives us this picture of just um, domestic bliss. You know, the Bible says he went and he married Goma and she conceived and bare him her son and they called his name Jezreel. And, and you read this verse here and, and you can see this happy little family. They're all together right there. She has a husband. She has true love. And we're going to find that as we go through the story. Hosea really, truly loved her. She has security. She has everything that she could have dreamed for. They have this little boy. They call his name Jezreel. They name him after a city. Not such a, an uncommon thing to do. We don't do it too much here in Australia, but um, you see it a little bit more in America. Um, you have Denver's and Dallas's and Madison's. Uh, here in Australia, we have uh, the occasional Sydney, I guess. But they named the little boy Jezreel. I think that's kind of a nice name. And, and, and so the story continues on. But thereafter, the story starts to come unraveled. The Bible goes on a little bit further if we go down. In verse 6, the Bible says, And she conceived again and bore a daughter. The language of this verse is different from the language of the verse where, that we just read back in verse 3, where the Bible says that she conceived and bore him, Hosea, a son. This time, the Bible doesn't say that she bore him a daughter. The Bible says she bore a daughter. Starts to give us a clue that something is starting to come unraveled in this relationship. Hosea is not included in this little girl. God said, Call her name Lo Ruhama. Go down a couple more verses. Verse 8 When she had weaned, Lo Ruhama, she conceived and bore a son, and God said, Call his name Lo Ami. Once again, the Bible doesn't say that she conceived and bore him, Hosea, a son. It simply says she conceived and bore a son. You see, things were coming unstuck for. Goma, and she had gone out and had affairs and had children as a result of having those affairs. And you would wonder why. And then these children end up with these names. Now think about these names for a moment. I've, I've often met people with unusual names, and it's always nice to meet someone with an unusual name, I think. I, I think that... Um, you know, parents that give their children an, an unusual name, I think I give them full points. And, and, and typically, you meet someone with an unusual name, you think, yeah, that's really nice. You know, that's a really nice name. Well, Lo Ruhama, not pitied. Lo Ami, not my family, not my people, not my son. Now, imagine for a moment if you were a little boy and you were a little girl and you ended up with a name like that. Not pitied. Or a little boy, not my son. That's breathtakingly harsh, wouldn't you say? And you wonder what on earth is going on in this story? What on earth is God trying to do? Well, very simply, God is trying to do something that we did here just a few moments ago. God is trying, and what we're doing here right now, 
God is trying to communicate to his people through the means of social media and mass media. You see, a few minutes ago, we all jumped on our Facebook and uh, uh, we invited everybody to, to log on and to watch the, uh, the presentation um, via the live stream. Isn't that so? We communicated via social media. And very rapidly, that message went out all around the world. I've got to tell you, there's a more efficient system of communicating to the whole world than social media, and that is the power of gossip. Isn't that so? When you start a scandal and you start some gossip, that message is going to go around the world like a lightning bolt. And so you have the prophet, he marries a prostitute. You imagine how quickly, and everybody's tongue is, you know, by the time they had finished their vows on the other side of Israel, they would have known what was going on. And then you have these two little children that are born and they end up with these terrible names. And you think, why would God do such a thing? That's so horrific. They have to grow up with that. They have to live with that. And once again, the gossip is going on because now everybody knows what Gomer is up to. Everybody knows what Gomer is doing. Everybody knows what's happening inside this family. This family has become a family that is living in a fishbowl. And you think, God, what on earth are you doing? God is trying to catch the attention of his people. This is a nation that has been in idolatry for generation after generation after generation. And he's trying to grab them by the shoulders and shake them and wake them up and say, listen, wake up. Because he's been sending, sending them nice message after nice message. They haven't been listening. And so now he's trying to jolt them a little bit. He's saying, you're not my people. You are not under mercy. You might think you are, but you're not. And so this message goes out. Well, the good thing about this story is that Hosea shortens the names of his children. You know how he liked to shorten names? I had a picture of Emery up here on the screen a minute ago. His, um, his name is actually Emerson, but you all know him as Emery because it's just a bit of an Aussie thing we do. We just shorten names, don't we? So when you read on a little bit further in the story, in chapter 2 you find the Bible says, Hosea, you see what happens is that uh, um, Goma leaves him and she goes back to prostitution. It just d does your mind in, doesn't it? Why, how could that ever take place? I'm going to comment on that in just a moment. But she leaves him and goes back to prostitution. And so here in chapter 2, Hosea is trying to win her back because he truly loves her. And he says, say to your brother, your brother Ami and to your sister Ruhama, Plead with your mother, plead, for she is not my wife, neither am I her husband. Let her therefore put away her whoredoms out of her sight and her adulteries from between her breasts. He sends the children to plead with Gomer, come back, because they're not listening to Hosea. Maybe they'll listen to the children, but she's deaf to what they say. But notice how, and I like this a lot, how Hosea shortens their names. He doesn't call them Lo, Lo, Lo Ruhama and Lo Ami. He takes the Lo off the beginning. And so now the little girl's name is pitied. Isn't that nice? I think it's a really nice name. And the little boy's name is my people, my son. And I think any boy would wear that name with pride, don't you think? And so he turns into something that is really nice for his children. 
But Goma has wandered off and she's gone back to this life of prostitution. And we might wonder why. And I think that we can often sit back in judgment and say, well, you know, Goma was just, uh, how on earth would she make such a foolish, crazy decision? But I think sometimes we underestimate just how damaged Goma may have been from her lifestyle, from the way that she grew up, from the abuse that she had suffered on a daily basis. You know, many people that suffer that kind of abuse, they, they, they have that, this, this uh, ability to be able to shut themselves off emotionally and they are forced to, they have to, to be able to survive. And then when they get in a real relationship, they're unable to connect. And the only form of love that they've ever been able to experience has been physical and they have this addiction to the physical and they've got this empty hole in their heart that they just have to fill somehow and they can't find any way to fill it and so they just keep looking and looking and looking and looking and it brings them unstuck. And she has an affair. Maybe there's more to it than that. Maybe the men had been used to treating Gomer in a certain way. She had always been the prostitute. She had always been the one that they were able to use whenever they wanted to. She goes and marries the prophet, but they come to her on the street and they treat her just the way they treated her in the past and she suddenly doesn't know what to do. She's now the wife of the prophet. What do I do now? She only knows one way of being able to respond to what those men are coming to her with, what she has grown up with her entire life. We don't know, but it's something that is called power rape in our society today. And she comes unstuck. She has an affair and things start to go downhill. There's possibly lots of different reasons that we could look at from Goma's perspective. It would have been incredibly challenging for Goma when you think about it. I meet many, many women today and, 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 and they've told me plain straight out up front that the hardest thing that they, they would never marry a pastor. You know, because that would be just so far out of their comfort zone to be married to a pastor. I'm glad that um, my wife didn't have that attitude. Praise the Lord. But because, you know, they can't handle the pressure of everybody looking at them. You know, there's a certain kind of pressure that some women feel. And now you've got Goma. She has a life that she's comfortable with. It's a horrid life. It is a horrific life, but it is what she knows. It is what she's used to. Just a terrible thing. And now she's out of that life and she's living a different life and she does not know how to live this life. She is so far out of her comfort zone that the easiest thing to do is to slip back into what she actually knows and is normal for her. We don't know all of these answers. But we can certainly see that there are many things that were possible that could have brought Gomer unstuck in this situation. But out of all of the things that brought Gomer unstuck, there is something that I want to share with you here that is probably one of the most important things that I'm going to share with you today. You see, the devil told Gomer a lie. And she believed that lie. 
Now, it may have been that, that the devil had some advantage because of where she came from, but the fact is she believed that lie, and it is a lie that the devil likes to tell every single one of us when we fall. You see, there are many times when we fall, we fall into sin and we fall into a sin and we've done that same sin before. And the devil comes to us and he says, you've done this before, you're going to do it again. I know you're going to do it again. You are hopeless. This is who you are. Just accept who you are and give up. Hosea falls into sin. Imagine how she would have felt the first time that she fell into sin after having a break like she had from her lifestyle. Horrific. And the devil comes to her and says, a leopard can't change his spots. He says, Goma, you are who you are. You cannot change. A leopard can't change its spots. You can't change who you are. So why even bother pretending to be the, the wife of the pastor? Just give up and walk away and go back to what you know. I've got to tell you, that's one of the most powerful lies that there is. In fact, it's an interesting thing, but, but this is something that God says. You know, God comes to us and God says, the, de- the, the leopard can't change his spots, right? However, can the leopard change his spots? If we were to bring a leopard in here today, can the leopard change his spots? No, but if, if God was to walk in here, can God change the leopard's spots? Yes, just like that. And the power of God's grace can change our spots too and get rid of all of our spots of sin. Isn't that so? And give us the victory. Praise God. We serve a wonderful God. God has put in place here a lifelong object lesson, a parable that is being lived out in front of the lives of his people on a day by day basis that takes place through a whole generation the bible goes on and talks about hosea's attitude towards gomer and what he would like to do if he could just win her back therefore verse 14 chapter 2 verse 14 behold i will allure her and bring her into the wilderness and speak comfortably unto her. He says, you know, that's, that's the kind of an old English way of saying, look, I want to, I want to come and I want to say, I want to speak romantically to her. I want to, I want to win her back to me. I want to take her away on a romantic retreat somewhere into a beautiful wilderness location. Now, ladies, seriously, wouldn't you all like that? You know you would, right? We men are hopeless at being romantic. We should take a, a, a leaf out of, out of Hosea's book right here. He says, I will give her vineyards from there, the valley of Achor for a door of hope. This is a poem that he writes for her. She shall sing there as in the days of her youth and as in the days when she came up out of the land of Egypt. And it shall be in that day, says the Lord, you shall no more call me Ishi. Master, you shall call me Bali, husband. Powerful, powerful. Years pass, decades pass, and the older that Goma gets, the worse things become for her. And you can imagine, prostitution is a horrific profession. It's a profession that we might not like to think about it this way, but the harsh reality is it has a use-by date. And the older that Goma becomes, 
the more degrading the things that she's required to do become and that she's prepared to do to be able to support herself. And I've got to tell you, friends, that that degradation and sin would have left incredibly deep scars on her until there was nothing that she could do anymore that would bring in an income. And the only thing that she had left was to become a slave and to finish out her days as a broken, destroyed slave. She ends up down in the slave market. And Hosea hears about it. The Bible tells us. You can find it there in Hosea chapter 1. She ends up down there in the slave market. Hosea 3 verse 1. Then said the Lord to me, go yet. Love a woman loved of her friend, yet an adulteress according to the love of the Lord toward the children of Israel, who took to other gods and loved flagons of wine. So I bought her to me for 15 pieces of silver, for a homer of barley and half a homer of barley. Let's stop there for a moment. Let's consider what's happening here. She's standing there in the slave market. She's being sold as a slave. She's his Hosea walk in. Imagine what goes through her. Why is he doing it? What's the prophet doing in a slave market? And then maybe it triggers something in her mind. Maybe he heard, I'm here. It's her turn to be auctioned off and he starts to bid. Why is he bidding on me? Does he want to get revenge for all the horrific things that I did to him? Does he want to take me out and have me stoned because he can? Does he want to publicly humiliate me for the rest of my life and treat me as the worst kind of slave ever? Is that why he's bidding? And the bidding goes higher and higher and higher. And Hosea stands there. And if you've ever been to an auction, you'll see this on occasion where somebody, they decide they're going to buy it and they just keep putting up their hand and they refuse to be outbid. And Hosea refuses to be outbid. And he buys her there, the Bible says, for half the price of a slave. That was all that was left. That was all that she was worth, but he wasn't going to be outbid on Goma. And then it goes on. And I said to her, You shall abide many days. You shall not play the harlot. You shall not be for another man. So will I also be for you. You will be my husband. He restores her to the, you will be my wife. He restores her to the full position of wife. Now, friends, when we see this story here, we see the story of what Jesus did for us because every single one of us here is Goma. And 2,000 years ago, Jesus came down to this earth and he stood there in the slave market and he began bidding for you and I, each one of us here today, and he kept bidding and he refused to be outbid until he ended up paying the highest price that it is possible to pay for our redemption. He paid for our redemption with his own blood. And the Bible says that he paid for us and it's hard for us to understand when we look at ourselves and the devil tells us that lie, you are who you are, you cannot change, why bother? God says, Jesus says, no, I bought you. This is what I want for you. The Bible says, let us be glad and rejoice and give honour to him. Revelation 19.7 For the marriage of the Lamb is come, his wife has made herself ready. To her was granted that she should be clothed in fine linen, clean and white. For the fine linen is the righteousness of the saints. Jesus came down to this earth. He bought you with his blood. He rescued you with the most expensive thing that there was so that we, each one of us, can be restored to the full position of his wife, clothed in white, the Bible says. That's his desire for each one of us, to restore us to purity 
and to perfection. Isn't that what you want to experience in your relationship with God? 